2: Good morning. It's 8 30 on Wednesday, December 8th. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, people
0: are going to die and have died because they couldn't get access to the care they need throughout this coronavirus pandemic. And that is going to continue to happen until we turn off the spigot.
2: As daily cases of COVID 19 reach a new peak, health officials anticipate a wave of new deaths. Then, effects of the pandemic on revenue could lead to budget cuts for many state agencies. Plus, after a Southern Remedy Health Minute, we detail some safety tips for holiday decorating. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. The coronavirus pandemic continues to reach new heights in Mississippi. With 56 new related deaths reported by the Department of Health yesterday, the COVID-19 death toll has surpassed the 4,000 mark. Hospitalizations of confirmed patients are also at a new high of 1,125. Health officials say the Thanksgiving surge in virus cases is just starting to surface. State epidemiologist Dr. Paul Byers says they fear more deaths are on the horizon. These are
3: not older deaths that, that we're counting. And I think if you look at the situation now with the increased numbers of cases that we're seeing in the state, we are um, above, as far as case counts are concerned, the peak that we had uh, over the summer months. We are starting to see some increases in deaths as well now. Um, and we anticipate that in the next few weeks that those deaths are, are only going to increase as we um, increase the the case numbers we're also continuing to see an impact on our long-term care uh, facilities and uh, you know we continue to have uh, outbreaks and deaths occurring in those facilities as well when we look at the transmission um, certainly we are seeing broad uh, transmission in all counties and we're seeing um, increases in a number of counties in many places we're seeing sustained in increases over a number of weeks. Um, and so this continues to be uh, concerning, despite our best efforts to let everybody know uh, what are the best things that you need to be doing uh, to prevent transmission. We're still seeing um, a whole lot of cases in the state. Um, with the upcoming holidays, certainly there's a potential that we're gonna see um, additional cases um, moving forward with. Uh, even even higher case totals on a daily basis.
2: State health officials are also noting a shift in who's dying during this second wave of the pandemic. In August, white Mississippians accounted for roughly 43% of COVID-19-related deaths. This week, that metric has risen to 50%. State health officer Dr. Thomas Dobbs acknowledges this shift and says behavior is playing a role.
0: We're seeing a disproportionate impact on on white Mississippians. Um, and that is entirely related to behavior. There's just no way around it. Um, we've had a lot better buy-in um, from uh, uh, black leadership and black uh, communities. Um, there's a lot of reasons why that may be the case. Um, there may be a lot of reasons. I mean, we still hear crackpot nonsense from folks who are discouraging people from doing simple, safe and effective things that will protect them and their families. Um, hopefully some of that's starting to fade now. Um, and I think that, that, um, uh, it's, it's, it's just what it is. And, um, we need everybody, uh, white, black, what, whatever, to follow the simple steps so that they can not only get through this unscathed, but bring their family and vulnerable family members with them to the end.
2: Dobbs worries there is fatigue regarding mitigation strategies and is concerned about Mississippians gathering en masse for the holidays. He says the only way to slow the trend of rising cases and deaths is to turn off the spigot.
0: You can't clean it up unless you turn off the spigot. And we have refused to turn off the spigot of new cases and new sick folks. And the way to do that is the simple stuff. It's it's not a joke. If we would just wear a mask in public and avoid non-essential social gatherings, the universe would be an entirely different place. You'd be like, what is this coronavirus thing? Why is everybody so worried about it? Um, But we've just been unable to take those simple steps. So please, once again, want to reiterate how important it is to understand that we've got to turn off the supply. People are going to die and have died because they couldn't get access to the care they need throughout this coronavirus pandemic. And that is going to continue to happen until we turn off the spigot. Um, And I'm glad that we're going to have the vaccine as a tool in in that part of it.
2: Mississippi could soon begin rolling out 25,000 doses of the first coronavirus vaccine. Supplies are limited, and Byers says those doses are being allocated to health care workers and long-term care residents.
3: We expect our initial allocation to come probably around um, December 13th, certainly uh, uh, sometime in the next week or so, Um, and you know, it's going to be the Pfizer vaccine, and, and it looks like it's going to be a, a relatively limited number of doses. Uh, we have an anticipation of about 25,000 doses. So, our primary first goal with this initial round of vaccine that we're going to get is to make sure that we make that vaccine available to healthcare systems and hospitals for them to be able to vaccinate those high priority frontline healthcare workers, especially the ones who are taken care of and have a potential to be exposed to individuals who are infected with COVID-19.
2: Dobbs is also hopeful the vaccine will help put a lid on the nearly year-long pandemic.
3: The safety profile looks very strong
0: based on this data, so we're feeling increasingly confident that this is a vaccine that not only is going to be effective and to help protect those who are at the front lines, those who are most vulnerable, but also help us start to get a lid on this coronavirus coronavirus pandemic that's been plaguing us for so many months.
2: Coming up, effects of the pandemic on revenues could lead to budget cuts for many state agencies. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. A contractor ever tell
3: you the price of something and it sounds so high, you think, "Eh, maybe I'll try it myself. Some jobs just aren't that difficult. And yes, you can do it. If you want to find out how to do those things, listen to Fix It 101, podcast everywhere.
4: This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and depends on the support of listeners like you. If you can, please donate today at mpbonline.org. And thanks.
2: This is Mississippi edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. Many Mississippi agencies, including universities, prisons, and child protection services, may see budget cuts for fiscal year 2022. Those cuts are anticipated as the Legislative Budget Committee is trying to navigate the effects of the coronavirus on state revenues. Federal monies have provided some economic relief, especially in regards to unemployment benefits. And state economist Corey Miller says sales tax is 9 percent above estimates. Still, he tells our Desiree Frazier revenues are below pre-pandemic levels.
1: I think things have been uh, above expectations, uh, particularly uh, on sales tax. Uh, spending has been stronger than we thought it would be uh, about kind of the middle of the summer. We thought with the CARES Act ending at the end of July, most of that support ending, uh, we thought we might see a drop-off or could see a big drop-off in um, sales tax revenue because a decline in consumer spending. So far, we haven't really seen that. Um, it, it's held up uh, fairly well. Uh, use tax, um, which now is basically collecting sales tax on online purchases. That's basically what our use tax is now. Um, it has been very strong throughout the year. Um, so that has held up well. A little more difficult to judge uh, income tax and corporate tax because um, the deadline was moved. Uh, from April fifteenth to July fifteenth, so we collected less than twenty than we would have. We've already collected more in twenty one um, than we would have without the change in the deadline. So it's a little that's a little more uh, difficult to judge. But overall, our our numbers have have held up better than expected to this point.
4: With the coronavirus pandemic going on, right. Looking ahead to next year. What do we need um, to see in terms of growth to come out of because the budget calls for cuts the lBO budget calls for cuts to most yes. state agencies what would it take it, to restore those those funds
1: and I guess what I would say is even though we're we're running ahead of our estimates on uh, in terms of revenue um, you know, our, our FY21 estimate is well below, uh, where we were both in 2019 and, and 2020 in terms of actual revenue collected. Um, we're, we're, in, we're not really back to where we were before the, the pandemic. Um, so, uh, we'll, we'll need more uh, spending growth, uh, to, to, uh, make up the 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 revenue we haven't uh, been getting in that time uh particularly i think i think the issue is how do we bridge the gap from where we are now until a vaccine is um widely distributed and and people are um more or less back to resuming their their normal activities
2: Mississippi's lawmakers are responsible for appropriating the $6.1 billion budget. Republican Senator Joey Fillingane of Sumrall is on the Legislative Budget Committee. He says legislators must be conservative when assessing the budgetary needs of Mississippi's many agencies. He explains the process begins with identifying vacated PINs or positions within an agency.
5: Usually the beginning of the budget cycle... We take any pins that have not been filled in a designated period of time, usually something like 180 days or so, and we cancel those pins out, and therefore we reduce that agency's budget by that um, amount of money. However, as the session begins, oftentimes you will see those positions be requested to be put back into the agency's budget as those Persons are interviewed and um, prospective hires are made. So, some of that is just the fact that there were a lot of vacant pins right now, and many of those were reduced. But I think everyone on the committee is well aware that in many of those instances, some of those pins will be restored and persons hired to fill those vacant spots because most of them are fairly essential to state government. It's just we've had a hard time finding someone to fill that particular role.
4: Do you foresee um, MAEP being fully funded?
5: Yes, and we're very excited about that. Of course, the leadership and the legislature certainly wants to do even more, not just to fully fund, but also to give teachers pay raises. And we were set to do that at the beginning of this current year session. As you know, that was one of the first bills we passed in the state Senate was a $1,500 across the board, you know, pay raise for our state teachers. However, uh, a couple of months after that, um, before the House was able to take our bill up, you had the coronavirus and everything put back on the drawing board.
4: Universities, community colleges, prisons, child protection, human services, Medicaid, all of them are expected to see cuts. But you said if those jobs are restored, maybe there won't be as deep a cut as...
5: That is correct. A lot of those cuts, if you look into the numbers, there are cuts that are um, commensurate with a number of vacant, And when I mean PINs or say PINs, what I mean are actual state um, jobs in those particular agencies. So if a particular job that say the department of health has been vacant for a period of months, then in some instances you anticipate, well, maybe that was a job whose, um, whose time has come to an end that it, maybe it was a temporary job that, you know, it was for a certain grant program or something like that. And we created it for that specific purpose to run that grant program. And now the grant has ended. So therefore, the need for that position has ended and that position would go away. But in many instances, they are positions that are fairly essential to the operation of that state agency. And for whatever reason, that particular agency has had a hard time finding the right person with the right skill set to be able to come and take that position over. And so They come back to the legislature and say, wait a minute, that was not one of those temporary type jobs that we can live without. This is a very essential um, job and position in our agency, and we need that pin restored because now I've been able to find somebody who would fill that role.
4: You still plan on putting uh, 2% aside for the rainy day fund?
5: We do have that currently worked into this coming year's budget a 2% set-aside, which is fairly standard. We've done away with the 2% set-aside a couple of times in, you know, my 20 years plus now in the state legislature. But by and large, we do try to hold aside 2% because in Mississippi, we're prone to having hurricanes, for instance, uh, tornado storms, ice storms, all sorts of different um, natural disasters that, of course, we have no control over, And sometimes it takes a while for the federal government and FEMA to pass uh, monies to address these storms after they happen. So we need monies in an emergency fund to be able to immediately respond to the needs of the citizens of Mississippi. We don't just stash money away to make ourselves feel better and, you know, just do nothing with it. It's actually put away. It's called a rainy day fund for a reason because it rains a lot in Mississippi, And we do have to have money set aside to address those emergencies when they happen.
4: Well, Senator Fellengame, we appreciate your time so much in speaking with us.
5: Thanks, Desiree. Thanks for the opportunity.
4: Coming up after a Southern Remedy Health Minute, we detail some safety
2: tips for holiday decorating. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.
3: No matter if you use an app to start your car or still have a flip phone, Everyday Tech can decipher today's technology for tomorrow's solutions. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or the MPB public media app.
6: Hi, this is Dr. Josie Bidwell, Associate Professor of Nursing and Preventive Medicine at the University of Mississippi Medical Center, and you're listening to a Southern Remedy Health Minute.
5: I take uh, zinc for prostate Uh problems. It's disappeared from the shelves. Everybody's buying it to boost their immune to COVID or something. I I don't get it. Uh, Is there anything else I can take? And is there a way of getting zinc other than just off a shelf in uh, my local pharmacy?
4: Yeah, so
6: you're you're right. There's a zinc scarcity on the the shelves because it is part of the protocol, especially for outpatient um, COVID. A lot of that, a lot of um, providers are adding zinc to their treatment plans for for folks, and so it is a little bit harder to get. Like anything, uh, any of the, the the supplements, any of the vitamins and minerals we can get them from food. And so looking at, um, you know, ways to add zinc in, um, to, to your diet from, nutritional standpoint is is a good way uh, uh, to get those kinds of things. We tend to think about zinc being in meats and poultries and seafoods. Um, So things like beef and chicken and um, oysters and that kind of stuff. Um, But you can still get them from plant-based sources as well. Um, Legumes, uh, nuts, seeds, whole grains, um, and then any of our kind of fortified Um, Breakfast cereals or grains also usually have zinc um, added into them that way. For more health tips and medical info, tune in every weekday at 11 for the full Southern Remedy lineup where the doctors are always in. For MPB Think Radio, I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell.
4: Parents and teachers, everything you need to know about MPB Classroom TV can be found online at education.mpbonline.org. The site includes videos of lessons being taught, a program schedule, a how-to-watch guide, and more. Check it out to discover content that can benefit the students in your life. Visit education.mpbonline.org today.
2: This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. It's the time of year when many homes are furnished with festive displays and trees are fully adorned with dazzling lights. With so many lights and plugs required, there are safety measures residents should consider as they decorate for the holidays. Mara Hartman is with Energy Mississippi. The first tip she shares, invest in LED lights. They don't
7: get hot, so they're less of a fire hazard. And they use a lot less energy as well and, and put out lots of light. Uh, some of them even have technology that allows them to blink and change colors and things like that. And they last longer than traditional bulbs. So they've got all these great benefits. Um, If you do have the LED lights already, um, or if you decide not to replace them, check the strings for signs of wear. And if you've got any fraying or anything like that, then again, throw them out. Don't try to tape them up. It's just not worth the risk. Tree fires are... um, Unfortunately, all too common during the holidays, and and lights, strings of lights were a big reason why.
2: For lights that you're hanging outside, are there concerns or precautions that should be taken in regard to weather, rain in particular?
7: Oh, yeah. When you – if you're going to to light your home outdoors or or trees or anything in your yard outside – then make sure, first of all, that the lights you're using are not the same ones that you would be using indoors. Get the ones specifically um, made for outdoors because they tend to have sealed sockets, which will keep the uh, water out. And that's not even just rain, but do anything like that snow, should we get it. So you want to make sure they're the proper kinds of lights for outdoors. You want to keep them elevated off the ground. Um, That's easy enough with little stakes or even a a brick. Just pick them up off the ground if you've got them in, you know, low in bushes and and some of them trail along down there. Um, And you just want to not ever (laughs) – I actually saw this. This is a very Mississippi thing. Don't ever put them on a metal bottle tree. (laughs) <laughs> uh, it could easily become electrified, and I, I saw one of those one time, and it, it struck horror in my heart.
2: Um, now, extension cords, if you're running extension cords outside and inside, are there certain ty- or certain types that shouldn't be used or should be used?
7: Well, what you want to do basically with the extension cord is make sure they've, they've got a grounded three-prong plug And don't overload the circuit. Um, If you don't know how to determine how much um, of a load your circuit can take, then a good rule of thumb is to not plug any more than three light strands into a single electrical
2: outlet. Now, because the LED lights don't get hot, does that mean you can leave them on? A lot of people, you know, on their trees inside uh, or on their mantle or wherever they have lights, turn them on, and leave them on. Is that okay? Well, it's still not a good idea. Any time
7: you go to sleep or leave the house for an extended period of time, you really should turn off the lights inside your home, the the Christmas lights, uh, and and the decorative lighting outside as well, just to be on the safe side. Um, Certainly you don't want your holidays ruined by a Christmas fire.
2: Mara, do you have any other tips for our listeners?
7: Well, I would say a final tip would be that if you're going to hang lights outdoors on your house or up high in a tree, to make sure you use the proper ladder. Um, number one, you want, you don't want your ladder to be too short because you don't want to climb up too high and risk falling and injuring yourself. Um, so make sure your ladder is tall enough for the job. And secondly, if you've got a wooden ladder, it would be a much better type of ladder to use when you're working with electricity than a metal one because, again, metal conducts electricity. And you always run the chance of, of harming yourself, shocking yourself, especially if you get that, you don't want to get that metal ladder too close to any electrical lines or the service line that delivers electricity into your home. So
2: be aware
7: of the electrical lines that are around you and be aware of other hazards involved when using a ladder.
2: Mara Hartman is the Senior Lead Communication Specialist with Entergy Mississippi. Thank you, Mara. Thank you, Karen. Happy holidays. This has been Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Thanks for listening to the Mississippi Edition podcast from MPB News and MPB Think Radio.